0: I want to mention, I'm going to introduce him later, uh, Sean Breeden is with me, a brother uh, from Ann Arbor, very anointed, uh, young, next generation, so apostle, prophet, evangelist type guy. He's a banker, a father. Uh, but what I'm seeing, I just want to see, I tell you, what I'm seeing is uh, something new is happening in the Lord, in the move of the Spirit. The Lord's raising up the next generation uh, of really, really dynamically gifted uh, and called and anointed young leaders. And uh, he's calling them to be radical, he's, and they want to live radically, and they're, they've received stuff from us, and we want to make room for them to, be, to make sure that who they are and what God's called them to be and how he's working through them gets communicated to the broader church as well. Amen? Amen? Yeah. Amen. They're running kind of fast. They're hard to keep up with. They are. They're hard to keep up with. They got a lot going on. So I want to begin with... Um, the catechism said Jesus is the Lord of the cosmos. Jesus is so powerful. He's so amazing. I want, to just, I want to just say a few things about the cosmos. Let's have some fun with this. All right. I'm going to need help from some of you, you know, uh, astronomer types or physicists, you know. That's what I heard. This is a room full of, met, you know, physicists and, uh, no. How fast does light travel? 186,000 miles a second. So that means it goes how far? In one hour. It goes 700 million miles in an hour. Light travels 6 trillion miles in a year. Okay? The nearest star to us is Proxima Centauri, and it's over four light years from the Earth. That's the closest star... To us? That means four times six trillion, it's twenty-four trillion miles away from us. That's a long way. Right? The Milky Way, we inhabit the Milky Way. We do don't we? Our solar system is in the Milky Way. Half of you are now glazed over. As soon as I hit trillion, you're like, oh ah, well. God. The Milky Way galaxy is 105,000 light years in diameter. The <laughs> I'm going to preach it this time. The Milky Way galaxy is 105,000 light years in diameter. So that means if you travel at the speed of light, 186,000 miles per second, it, is, it, would, it would take you 105,000 years to cross it at that speed. Just our little Milky Way galaxy. Amazing. And our little galaxy contains almost 100 billion stars. That's a lot, is right. Our star, the sun, I love this. It it has billions of billions of fusion reactions. That's 10 to the 38 zeros that follow 10. That's a lot. Fusion reactions take place in it. That many fusion reactions take place in it every second. Every second. More than 400 million tons of hydrogen are converted into helium every second in the heart of the sun. I know we don't understand it all, but it's a big deal. Yeah. Okay, let's say it together. Wow, God. Wow, God. (laughs) <laughs> now, we found a new galaxy not too long ago. It's called the IC1101 galaxy. It is one billion light years away from us. It's one billion times six trillion, the distance. Somebody just passed out back there. They just <laughs> It's the largest known galaxy in the universe. Its diameter is, just, just this galaxy, its diameter is 6 million light years across. That's 6 million times 6 trillion miles. That's a long way. I know this is hard to grasp, but it's 50 times the size of the Milky Way. All right? Now, how many of you heard of the Big Bang? Okay, it's a, it's a theory, it's a, how, how things began. There's a beautiful book that I got some of this stuff from by Father Thomas Dubé oh, yeah. called The Evidential Power of Beauty. It's an awesome book. You've got to get it. It's really great. He's talking about how science, the more science advances, the more their understanding correlates with the church's understanding of much of creation. It's beautiful. But the Big Bang, get a load of this. This is the thing that blew my mind the most, I think. The Big Bang was not an explosion. Rather, it is called a singularity that is a mass with almost no dimensions whose density and temperature approached the infinite. This singularity was a point of almost infinite density with almost no physical size at the zero point, And with it, there suddenly began an expansion of space that continues to the present time. Consider this staggering idea also taught by theoretical physics, that the unimaginable mass of 50 billion galaxies, remember we talked how big the galaxies are? Right? With trillions of stars and the universe, all of that. He said that the unimaginable mass of 50 billion galaxies, each of which most likely had 2 to 3 billion stars in it, began from a pinpoint of almost infinite density, enormous mass from the tiniest point. These, he, he mentions two famous physicists. I can't pronounce their names. But they to quoting. So they tell us that at one sextillionth of a sextillionth of a second, after the beginning, all the matter in the universe was packed into a space much, much smaller than a proton. Than a single proton. Did you hear me? Imagine. Imagine. He says here, these scientists go on, they say, imagine. The density at that point staggers the imagination. Imagine planets, stars, whole galaxies, all the matter and the energy in the universe contained in a space next to, the, next to nothing in size. At, a ti- at time zero, the density was infinite with no extension in space at all. I know that's a little scientific, but think about that. How awesome is God? All things were made through Him. All things were made for Jesus. The Father made this for Jesus and through Jesus. And at one point, He said, "Son, watch this." See that little boom? And all began to expand. And what comes out of His? It's almost infinite mystery, beauty, glory. All of it reflects God. All of it bears the image of God. And think about about these scripture passages. The heavens declare the glory of God. Let's say it together. The heavens heavens. declare the glory. glory. And And the firmament shows forth His handiwork. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 says this about Jesus. He upholds the universe by His word of power. Jesus upholds it all by his command. Everything in the universe, all the stars, the magnitude tells us of how God's infinite in his greatness, the burning stars and the hydrogen light and the power of that burning. It's like the furnace of God's love. And it's the light of God that gives life to all of us. And everything that is, that's made by God gives him the glory according to their nature except human beings. The crown of creation. Every rose, beautiful rose, gives God these beautiful flowers. Give God the glory that is His due. It's all for Jesus. But the crown of creation, we're blinded. It's called the reign of sin and death. It's the darkness on the human mind. And look at how hard human beings today, in our smarts, in our wisdom, in our technology, want to say there is no God. You know, books written, God is not great. It's, It's the bondage of the human mind under sin. Amen? Amen. And God made all of this for us too, to marvel at and to celebrate. And to receive it as a word about who He is. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Say with me, God is, God is great. great. God is, God is great. great. Turn to somebody next to you and say, God is great. God is great. Yeah, say it again. God is, great. God is great. It is so foolish to oppose the holy God. Imagine this. I said this at our gathering this year. Imagine this. If you're walking along in this hot July day, you're waiting for the bus, and you kind of look down on the ground, and you see on the sidewalk this little trail of red ants. Okay, these little tiny things. And something looks funny about them, and you get down, and you look, and you get way, way down, and you look, look through your bifocals, you look down there, (laughs) and you see this little ant on its little legs, whatever you call them in the end, and he's shaking his fist at us. He's shaking his fist at you. We're rebelling against you, you know? We refuse to acknowledge what you are and who you are, right? I mean, it's a joke. You just go, uh. It is so foolish for human beings floating on this little tiny planet in this massive cosmos to beat our chests and declare our independence There is no God. No one will tell me who I am or what happiness is or what truth is. No one will. Because I'm my own master. Oh yeah? You don't even know where you came from. You don't even know what you are. You don't even know why you are. Right? It's foolishness. But God looks upon us and looks upon them with tenderness, with mercy, with compassion. And this is why, I want to go back, this is why Jesus is disciplining his church because the church is fat, compromised, and compromised. Much of the church is worldly. Much of the church is lukewarm. We actually don't care very much about the lost. I mean, many very, very few people do. It's why we don't do much evangelization in the church. I mean, I don't know your stories. I'm not saying you. I'm just saying just across the church, it's a statistical fact. The urgency isn't there. And the God of the universe who created everything thought it, thought it was so important that his, his love for God so loved the world that He gave His Son he loves the world so much. He loves everybody on it so much. Do we? Do we have the heart of Jesus? That's why Jesus has to prune us. That's why the pruning and discipline is going on in the church right now. He wants to awaken us. He's, he's going to keep pruning it till he gets to the part that in his mind is big enough that, that he finds those whose hearts are radically set on what his heart is radically set upon. His main passion isn 't to make you comfortable and me comfortable that 's i mean or secure and safe because he knows those are those are those are just illusions that pass anyway right because the whole the end of everything friends is just right here it 's right in front if you could see it spiritually i mean heaven 's right here, the angels are right they 're right here, and you 're going to pass over and it's gonna, it 's going to You know, we cling to this life so much, but we're all going to die. It's my favorite topic. We're all going to (laughs) die, but we're going to we're going to cross over into eternal life. There's nothing to gain here. You know, it's beautiful, it's wonderful, and we should be here in what God has called us to do and be and rejoice in it. But we have to see where we're going, where love is taking us, and on the way, this is so important for the renewal. It's, It's so important for the whole church. To say the reason God has caught me up in this outpouring of the Spirit is to set me free, to empower me, to move me to enter into His mission with His love and His compassion. Right? I want to talk here a little bit for a few minutes about the universal call to holiness. That's what the Spirit's about the universal call to holiness and universal call to mission. Say it with me, holiness. And mission. I'm going to talk a little bit about holiness. Sean's going to talk a little bit about mission. What is holiness? Holiness is basically the great commandment. If you had to summarize it, right? Love the Lord your God with? All your heart. All your soul. All your mind. And all your strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. The, great commi- the, the, great, uh, the uh, universal call to mission is what? Universal call to mission is the Great Commission. Go make disciples of all nations, right? So, universal call to holiness, universal call to mission. She's weeping for you. That baby's weeping for us here. It's the heart of Jesus for the lost. Way to go, baby. Yeah. So you summarize why we're here and why did you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? First, God loves you, but then he wants to empower you and move you into loving God, loving neighbor, making disciples. Say with me, love God, love, God. love, neighbor, love neighbor, make disciples. That's why the church exists. And that all of us are called to that. And you can't do it without the grace and power of the Holy Spirit. And what the baptism of the Holy Spirit does is gives us a lived experience of, of what is it, Romans chapter 5, where God pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And we move to chapter 8, which is one of my favorites in the whole Bible. Abba. The Spirit of God speaks to our spirit Convincing us that we're children of God. That's so huge. And the Spirit is helping us to love God, to fulfill the great commandment. One of the things we need to do as we lead, as we live, as we preach, is to believe again that the greatest thing a human being can do and the definition of success, of human success and achievement, it's not, even our, it's not our own achievement, it's God's in us is to love God. There's nothing greater. You could be, you could own Apple, Microsoft, Facebook, Wall Street, you name it. You could, have, if you, you could own it all. And if you died not having put first things first, not loving God, you actually die a failure as a human being. Nothing wrong with good businesses. I'm, that's not a point I'm trying to make. I'm talking about what you were made for is to love God. And that's what will be crowned in heaven. That's what will be honored. That's what God will honor. And Jesus showed us on the cross. He said, look, he hung on a cross. I'm so glad we have crucifixes. Because he said in John chapter 14, verse 31, at part of the Last Supper discourse, he's there with the brothers And he turns to them and says, I'm not going to be with you much longer. And they're like, okay, you just killed this Passover party, you know. (laughs) I'm not going to be with you much longer. And then he says, "Uh, because the devil is coming after me. And then he says, but don't worry because the devil has no hold on me. Okay? He's preparing them for what's coming on Calvary. He said to his most intimate friends, I think this is the most intimate moment in the entire Bible of Jesus speaking to brothers about what's deep in his heart. His number one passion. He said, the devil has no hold on me, but what I want you brothers to know is I do everything the Father commands me to do because I want the whole world to know that I love the Father. What the next few days is going to be about, the humiliation, you know, the false accusations, the whipping, the beating, the stripping, the mockery, and ultimately hanging on a cross. Jesus is telling us something. He's saying I want the whole world to know I'm here on this cross first because I love the Father. Isn't that beautiful? I mean, he let us he let us into you know, the human person, Jesus, the, the God-man, and the, what made his heart beat, what he was really all about, his destiny and goal is, I want to, I'm on earth because I want to honor my Father. Every human being was made to honor God, to give to God what belongs to God, which is absolute trust, love, surrender, obedience. That's what it means to be Human. That's what human fulfillment is, Jesus is saying. That's the road to freedom. That's completeness. That's to give to God what belongs to God your heart, your life, your soul, everything. No matter what the cost, it's worth it. And the world looks on him and goes, oh man, what a pathetic, bleeding, naked loser. How big's your bank account, Jesus? How big's your downline, Jesus? Well, it's really big now, but... You died a failure, a failed Messiah. That's what, that's what worldly eyes see. And what Jesus is saying is, love conquers. Love is the most powerful reality in the universe because God is love. And human beings are meant to live love radically. First for God and then for neighbor. Not just neighbor, but for God. And it's not true to say, if I love my neighbor, that means I'm fully loving God. It's not exactly the same thing. They're related. But Jesus died to give you and me a relationship with our Father. And so that we could live in the world and be what we're made to be. To live in a relationship with a loving Father and we live in trust and abandonment and we say like jesus we're going to follow our master i'm going to say with my life i want the whole world to know that i love jesus and i love my father that's it that's success that's that's fullness that's fulfillment and the heavens rejoice isn't that beautiful it's a battle to do that, isn't it? I want to tell you a little story of a guy uh, in Ann Arbor who I got to know years ago. He's, he passed away now. He's dead. He was raised Catholic. Uh, he was in the military for a while. He got out and uh, he had a little bit of a drinking problem. Um, he, his wife, he and his wife were Catholics. They went to church on Sundays um, and he was like, he sold insurance and things, and he's like a lot of Catholic guys, you know, who haven't really come to know the deep love of the Father for them and the love of Christ. And he was living a life where you, you know, you, you live by scales, you know, a little bit like, well, if, I, if I've done, you mostly think, I'm, when it comes right down to it, I don't really know what God thinks about me, right? And he probably's disappointed in me because I haven't done enough. And I'm not good enough. And they're always weighing the scales and go, well, if I do enough good to outweigh the bad, then then maybe he'll like me. But he probably doesn't. You know? He has to love me, but he probably doesn't like me very much. He's not too happy about me. And so always this struggle with, am I not good enough trying to prove yourself to God and all that? And he... A neighbor moved in across the street a young family uh who befriended him and the neighbor was baptized in the holy spirit and this guy started talking this friend of mine's big tall guy big strong guy and he he starts talking to him about there's more you know there's more to knowing that knowing god means being loved by god and he later said you know i just didn't get what this guy was talking about half the time because it just i didn't know how to know this love or get this love and um, and he said, plus, I didn't want to get too close to it because it felt uncomfortable. The light was a little bright, you know. And uh, so he says, uh, one day, he said, that my neighbor invited me, his wife and I had invited my wife and I to go out to dinner with him, you know. And so he said, we go out to dinner to this restaurant. We go out to the basement, this big restaurant, and it's just filled with people sitting at round tables. And uh, this guy seemed to know everybody in the room just about, you know. He said, that's kind of weird, you know. We're at this restaurant, it's not normal. And he said, we were sitting, he was sitting in the corner at the, like right over this, this uh, handsome young guy over here is sitting, you know, and so um, (laughs) with his back to the wall. So um, he said, I'm sitting there. And all of a sudden, before the meal, a guy got up and gave a testimony. He goes, he said, I leaned over to my wife and I go, this is a setup. This is a setup. (laughs) And he said, and he said, he actually said to her, I want to go. I want to get out of here. And she said, no, no, we can't. You can't leave now, you know. And he says, no, I want to go. She said, no, no. Most women are in charge, let's face it, you know. But anyway, so, so he's sitting there. and The guy gives a testimony, simple testimony. And the Spirit of God came on this guy. And everybody was facing the speaker. And he said, I'm so glad they were because... I started crying and I couldn't, I'm mean like, and I'm trying to wipe it off. I'm trying to just like not think about what this guy's saying because every time I think about what he's saying, I can't handle it, you know, and he's like teared up. This is a big distinguished guy, you know, and he goes home and, um, they really didn't talk about it much on the way because he didn't want to talk about it, but his neighbor got heard a few sniffs that night, you know, and so, you know, he asked him about it and, uh, and he helped him see, so you know, what I've been talking to you about, the love of God and how it was coming to him. And and so this guy slowly starts opening up to God. So he comes to, he, this guy would say, hey, God's got a plan for you, you know. And, okay, God's got a mission for you. Okay, I don't know, I don't have any idea what it is. I don't even have any gifts. I don't even know what I could do for church and religion and all that, you know. So he goes to Mass with his wife the next Sunday. And the priest says at the end, he makes an announcement, we need another Eucharistic uh, person to take communion to University of Minnesota, Michigan Hospital. And his wife kind of elbows him and goes, hey, you should do that. He goes, no way. I'm not doing that. It's not happening, you know. And then she must have told the neighbor, because the neighbor, you know, at one point when they're talking, said, hey, you know, I heard you you might be going to University Hospital, you know. And he goes, "I, I, I can't do that kind of thing. It's too personal. It's just too, you know, I mean, plus he said, I hate hospitals. I hate the smell of them. And I don't like being around sick people, you know. Perfect guy for Jesus to call, right? And then and then uh, they go the next week, and it's still, he, the, the priest said, we're still looking for someone to do this. And his wife said, you should really do it, honey. You should do it. He goes, well, I'll go, I'll go ask Father after. So he talks to him outside and said, Father, you know, I know you're looking for somebody. My wife thinks this is something good for me to do. I, I don't feel comfortable doing it, but but he goes, good, good. You're just the guy we need, you know. And he goes, I don't know what to do. I, I mean, I feel... I'm not a very spiritual guy, Father. Plus, I still drink and struggle. I'm struggling, you know? He goes, you're just the right guy. You're just the right guy. And he goes, I'll tell you what to do. I'll show you what to do. It's really pretty simple. So he, did, he teaches him a little bit what to do. And then um, he's talking to his neighbor. And he goes, seriously, man, I am so nervous about this. I don't, he goes, hey, just relax. He said, the Holy Spirit is in you, okay? And all you have to do is just listen to the Holy Spirit, and love the person in front of you. It's pretty simple. He goes, yeah, it's easy for you to say, you're not going, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know. So so he goes there, you know, and on the first day he's there, first or second day he's there, you know, they tell you who just came in and what they're there for, and he's in the, like, the intensive care area, and someone tells him, you know, that there's a woman, a Catholic woman who, she wrote Catholic on her thing, that may want somebody to come and see. So he goes, okay, I'll, I'll go check, you know. And he walks down, he, and he looks in, and, uh, and she's sitting there, and he knocks on the door, and she said, yes. And he comes walking in, and he sa- she says, uh, she said, who are you? He said, well, I'm, a, I'm the chaplain, you know, for the Catholic. And he barely got Catholic out, and she goes, get out of here. She yelled him. She started cussing at him, you know. And he comes walking go, down the hall. He goes, I knew this was going to happen. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it you know? And uh, he goes home and tells his friend what happened. He goes, see, I just, I'm not the guy for this. And he goes, you're just the guy for it. Now, let's pray for this lady. Her name was Lucy. And uh, go talk to her tomorrow. He goes, no, I'm not. She told me to stay out, so I'm not going in. You know, that kind of a deal. And so he walks down the hall, like, next day or whatever day it was that he got there, and he, her door was shut. He was super happy. So he walked by, and he said he felt like a hand just stopped him. And said, it was the Lord, and said, say hi to Lucy. He goes, Lucy doesn't want me to say hi. You know what I mean? And he said, I, I, and he's thinking what the guy told him about, be obedient to the Holy Spirit, you know? And he knew it was something God was holding. And this is what he did. He opened the door and he goes, Morning Lucy! And he shut the door like that. And she goes, Come here! Come here! He opens the door and he goes in. And he you know, said yes and she said, I want to talk to you. And it turns out she was raised Catholic. She had something happen with her family in the church at an earlier time. She left the church. She's super angry at the church. Um, this kind of thing. And You know, My friend is listening to her, and all of a sudden he starts to get comfortable a little bit. She talked for quite a while, and then he said, would you like to go to confession? And uh, she looked at him and said, yeah, I would. He goes, I'll call a priest. And the hospital's close to St. Thomas Parish. It's just a few blocks away in Ann Arbor. And the priest happened to be there. And the priest comes down, and he goes in To hear her confession. He's in there for quite a while. And Tom's this guy's outside, he's walking around, and he um, the door opens, and the priest comes out, and he looks at Tom and he goes, like that, you know? And and Tom goes in and she's radiant, and she's crying, and she's so happy. She said, Tom, thank you so much for coming and all this kind of stuff. Now he's feeling great, like, yeah, I'm just the man for it. Yeah, I'm the guy. Yeah, I'm anointed. I'm on mission. Yeah, 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 you big chicken. Yeah, yeah. Three days later, she died. She died. And that guy worked in that hospital free for the next 20 years. At a certain point, he was doing like 25 to 30 hours a week in there. Mod Hospital, all over the place. I did interviews with him on my radio show years ago. You could probably find it in our archives. I thought this dude was literally an acolyte to getting people prepared to meet the king. I mean, he was so effective and fruitful. It was unbelievable. I honestly felt like when I was interviewing him, he had cancer, he was dying of it. I felt like I was talking to a saint. I really did. I mean, he would never believe that. He would never think that but he got out of his comfort zone. He got helped by other people to have courage. He took the risks. You know, he lived the faith that Jesus loved, that you spell R-I-S-K, right? That's the faith Jesus loves to bless, right? And step into the pain of the world, step into the suffering of human souls. This is where we're being led, so where to do Life in the Spirit seminars in the future? What's the, what's the purpose of Charismatic Renewal in Columbus? To set up prayer groups in every parish? Well, maybe, maybe not. But what I do know, that you're loaded. Like, like uh, Patrick Rice said the other day, I was in, in, in Seattle, it's cracked me up. He's from Columbus, right? He goes, he goes, you know, these guns are loaded right here. He said, you know, these hands. like People, God has given you His Holy Spirit. Find out. Where he's sending you? Where's the missional context he's sending you into? Is it a prison? Is it in your neighborhood? Is it in a senior home? There's a lot of dying people. I think there's more dying, there's more women in senior homes than men. They seem to live longer you know, or something. But there's a lot of extremely lonely human beings in the most critical time of their life. They're living alone. Go talk to them. Go hold their hand. Go love them. Go pray over them. Go tell them about Jesus. A friend of mine, a man who runs uh, that that ministry, that uh, company, Visiting Angels. You ever heard of that, Visiting Angels? He goes in every every week to a senior home and he brings his guitar. And he pulls them together and he sings to them and they love it. You know, and he sings, he teaches them Christian music. He, they let him pray with him because they want it. So they don't, the, the institution doesn't mind. Takes them to Life in the Spirit seminars and all that kind of stuff. And if you asked him, he'd said, I'm the last guy who's equipped to do this stuff. You know? So what we need to hear today is to lo- the love of Christ ought to compel us to love our neighbor. And the idea and the knowledge of what has been put into us by the Spirit, the presence of the Spirit, which is meant to be given away, ought to move us now under the call of the recent popes to say, go smell like the sheep, right? Go find them and go smell them and go live with them. Do what you can. You know what I mean? And I'm saying this to you not just because it's an obligation, because it is, but I'm saying this to you, don't miss it. Don't miss out on this chance because life is short and you're going to be dead soon, right? Don't miss the opportunity. Don't spend these last years, most of your time, watching TV, eating, and trying to comfort yourself. TV's okay. I'm not telling you not to watch TV. I'm just telling you that a consumer society gets us to do the things they want us to do. You know, to medicate us, to, to distract us, and all that kind of stuff. Don't let them steal your mission. Amen? Amen. amen? amen. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the mission that you've given to us and you've called us to in love. Uh, we want to love and live and die like you did, Jesus, that our whole life would just be a communication that we love you. We're scared, we're weak, but your power in us is strong. Manifest your power in our weakness, Lord, for your glory, and take this renewal in this city to the lost, to the marginalized. Take them. Take them, Lord, all the way. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 amen.